Welcome to the You Catastrophe, where we meander through politics, pop culture, church, and society to consider true human ends and how life may be enchanted. I'm Joel Harrison, joined as always by Dave Taylor here. Dave, something magical, momentous happened in the past, I don't know, week or two. Mm-hmm. Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Has it changed your life? Um, well, Yes, I reaffirmed that Jesus is king um, for me mm. in, in a way that only Kanye could. Yeah. It's such a fascinating phenomenon. My social medias have been flooded by people. It just seems like such a strange thing to comment. I mean, that's, I, I, I mean, admittedly, I did just do an episode devoted entirely to an episode of Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems like such a strange thing to to get so hung up about. So you got some people going, isn't this amazing? Like he's such an incredible voice for Jesus. And then uh, also some people going, well, you know, Christianity is not about celebrity. And and I just kind of think like, wh- why are we talking are about we this? I mean, I am you? very old. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually don't really know any Kanye or... Mm. <laughs> I understand that he's very good. Yes, maybe. I don't know. Well, that should be the question though, right? So my impression is that Mm. these reactions to it are in two camps. One, Mm. people go, oh, my gosh, propositional content. I've loaded up a YouTube clip and it has the lyrics and I saw the lyrics were good, (laughs) right? Therefore, he is is the one in the wilderness who will lead us out. So there's this amazing pieces where people are trying to say that this is the beginning of cultural renewal. Yeah, that's right. And I'm going, oh, okay, guys, just chill out. Then there's the other reaction, which is Kanye is not legit. Yep. And he's not legit until he Quits. submits himself to John Piper. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> my- and, and in both cases, I go, honestly, shouldn't our only question here be, because he's probably trolling the universe, right? Mm. Shouldn't our only question be, is it good music? Yeah. Is it like creatively interesting? Is it good? Yeah. And maybe it is. I don't know. I've yeah. asked people who know these things and they say it's it's so-so. Yeah. Our, our friend Phil made a very interesting uh, comment about it. He said it's such a Kanye version of conversion. <laughs> so it's like conversion for Kanye means I am now the pastor of my own church, and everyone will come and learn about Jesus from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. Everyone should look up on YouTube. I think you can find a a, um, a recording of the actor Michael Shannon reading a poem. One of the last poems written by Leonard Cohen called "Kanye West is not Picasso." And it just says things like, Kanye West is not Picasso. I am Picasso. <laughs> and then he's like, and, and then he says, Kanye West is not Kanye West. I am Kanye West. <laughs> it's just the best poem that I've heard for a very, very long time. But that's where it's good. You know, yeah. it's like meta trolling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the Kanye West that Kanye West thinks he is when he storms on stage <laughs> to knock your ass off. <laughs> it's really, yeah, really beautiful. Um, there's a, there's a conversation we had there about um, that, that we're in such a strange time where all these um, amazing artists are releasing their greatest album like in their 70s. Mm. So like Leonard Cohen, um, David Bowie, Tom Waits is still doing his thing. It's, it's an incredible time. Anyway, that's not the topic. That does all. actually give me some solace Yeah. when I sit and think well, I've, I've done so little and then I think maybe when I'm 70. Well, to- <laughs> Tolstoy didn't write... War and Peace until he was 40. Mm. Yeah. So I think about that. Well, I'm not I 40 am. yet. You know and, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're pushing that. Yeah. That, why'd you Four raise years. that? 
That's yeah. not a helpful thing. It probably took him four years to write. Thanks, Dave. Didn't really. Didn't um, Calvin write the Institutes in his twenties? Oh well. Anyway, um, I think, and I think Descartes died before he was our age. <laughs> anyway, this is getting really. It Jesus started was, off optimistic. Jesus was and 30, <laughs> 30 to thirty-three. Yeah, no, Jesus is eternal. Um, uh, so, what are we talking about today? Have we managed to find a segue? No, we haven't. No. So we're continuing our conversation of uh, controversy. Um, so Kanye's and, controversy and, and disagreement. Uh, particularly disagreement in the church. We kind of talked about people disagreeing in the church then. Um, so over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the nature of disagreement. What does it mean to kind of be aiming towards a common good yet um, in um, dispute about how to pursue the good, what the good is, and things like that. The context for this um, is uh, a bit difficult to talk, <laughs> talk about uh, unless you know a little bit about um the context that Joel and I find ourselves in, namely being part of the Anglican Church in Sydney. So very recently, um, the Archbishop of uh, Sydney, um, the Anglican Archbishop that is, uh, found himself in hot water, although uh, I don't think he was too concerned about that really. Um, He was reported to have asked um, supporters of same-sex marriage specifically those seeking to change the church's doctrine on this issue to please leave. Um, Now, there was some dispute about who he was talking to, who who that was aimed at. Uh, Some people thought that it uh, was aimed at parishioners generally in the Anglican Church in Sydney. Some people thought it was aimed at the bishopric bishopric alone um, or um, some people thought it was for, for clergy. Uh, but this raises a big question. When, if ever, is it appropriate to ask your fellow Christian to leave the church? Um, and this raises all sorts of questions that we're very interested in. Um, now, I think we should probably say from the outset that we're not just saying that this was a ridiculous thing to have said or, or anything like this. Working out church polity is incredibly complex and difficult there is a sense in which I think both Joel and I would think that there are grounds for actually asking people to move along. Um, for example, I think if uh, a, a cl- member of the clergy got up and started denying the creeds, um, I would probably, prob- or something fundamental like the incarnation um, uh, or the resurrection, I, I think I'd be more than happy that for them being told to, to move on. Um, but nonetheless... This is a deeply uncomfortable moment, especially for those of us who, you know, have um, gay friends um, and or gay family or uh, are trying to re- maintain fellowship with people that have very a wide range of views on sexuality and marriage. What were your initial thoughts, Joel? Just building off what you were saying there, that there's a difference, for example, between may, uh, having someone adhere to the vows they've given Yes. So if you're a member of the clergy yep. and you agree to promote right doctrine and mm-hmm. so on, as the Anglican formulary has put it and mm-hmm. these things, um, yes, you're bound in some way. Yep. So in the Church of England, for example, they say that their clergy can be in civil partnerships but not of a sexual nature. Mm. And so that is the case with a number of clergy mm. in the Church of England. They 
bind themselves to mm. that position um, on the basis that this is the church and its authoritative statement and that change takes place through its yeah. authoritative statements as well if a change takes place at all. So there's a difference there between that, you know. Mm. So in, even your example, somebody stands up and says, you know, no incarnation, no this, no da 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 Then they would be um, contradicting, I think, their vows and have their grounds for being defrocked, as it mm. were. Um, but there's a difference between that and saying you can never um, potentially advocate for change mm. in a particular direction. Um, which now, is- you, you, don't, you don't think the distinction between the laity and the clergy is in this case in this case is necessary. Um, I think it's complicated so there was a lot of debate over whether Archbishop Glenn Davies meant um, those in the pew mm. should leave and then some people you know quite understandably said regardless of who this message was intended for can only be received in a certain way yeah namely that those who are um, in gay relationships themselves or mm. um, seek to be and so on or seek to think differently about this that they should leave right and a lot of people took it that way and that's i think i think that's partly at least just simply understandable uh, and then he went and then said in the sydney morning herald no i was clearly i meant this for those bishops who mm. want who want to change the anglican church's doctrine mm. now i i i'm happy I to don't be corrected understand on which this. bishops in sydney would be no, it's not the bishops in Sydney. He's talking oh, right. about he's talking about bishops in uh, different dioceses, especially okay. um, I've forgotten the name of the diocese, but in which there was um, a movement in that diocese towards having um, liturgy crafted for the blessing of same sex unions, right. and they were going to use this in the context of two priests who were going to be marrying one another, right? Um, and the bishop um, held his hand um, eventually, but, you know, has suggested that this is going to be raised mm. again and so on. Anyway, mm. so it's in that context where some people are agitating in that direction, yeah. right? But as a matter of, someone could willingly correct me on this, but as a matter of, as I understand it, church operating under a, con- the Anglican Church of Australia operates mm. under a constitution, and that constitution incorporates it in formularies and doctrinal statements like the Australian prayer book is incorporated yeah. into that. Um, so there is a question about whether you can always change doctrine and how you mm. go about doing that when certain things are constitutionally entrenched. Yeah. I know that was a debate they were having in New Zealand, for mm. example. Um, but let's assume you can change it. Mm. Then that takes place in Anglican polity through a synod. And yeah. the synod is not just the bishops. The synod is also members of the laity. Mm. And so those people in the pew yeah. who want to change the doctrine. Yeah. They are also in the Anglican context authorized to do so as a matter of acting as a parliamentary body, right? Mm. So it doesn't just it doesn't have implications just for bishops. Although you could say the bishops are the ones who, if he, the archbishop could argue that these are the ones agitating, and so they should be the ones that go yeah. because they're specifically the ones that have, um, uh, you know, given a vow to uphold right doctrine and so yeah. on and this, right? So, so there is that. Now I think. About this just more generally, I mean, you said this is just uh, complicated. I think that's right. Like I think we are dealing in a context you could only describe, I think, as tragic. Yeah. And tragic in that sense of um, that there are, depending on how you frame this, Mm. you can get to moral incommensurables. Mm. I think you can frame this in different ways, this debate, that means that actually you you retain fellowship and – a common sense of purpose while maybe having disagreement that is nevertheless in that bond of fellowship. Right? Yeah. 
But if you frame this as on the one hand, you have, um, you know, especially um, conservative evangelicals that will mm. say that this is a first order issue. Yep. Um, by that I mean they frame it as a matter of a person's personal salvation. Yeah. And also as a matter of the authority of scripture. Yep. So if you don't do, if you don't agree with what is seen as to them a clear understanding of scripture here, you are undermining the word itself, right? Yep. Within the evangelical scheme. And and you're also um putting people's souls in peril because you're right, leading because you're, them to um uh, Affirm behaviors that yeah, and not just any behavior, yeah. but a, for some a behavior that they see is actually a first order matter, right? Yeah, right? Because there are a lot of people that would be evangelical or charismatic and so mm. on that would disagree with, say, um, affirming same sex relationships, but they don't see it in that same light. They yeah. don't see it as a first order issue. They see it as a moral. They they would characterize it as moral failing, but they wouldn't necessarily put it in the terms that, say, um, some evangelicals do, yeah. right? So, because they, they see it as something to do with uh, because it's a sin against the body or something like that. that it, I think it's all, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, and also I think Paul just specifically lists various yeah. things yeah. that then uh, is incorporated into that. Yeah. Um, and then they interpret it in certain ways and so on. Right, so yeah. if you take it like that, and, but then on the other hand, so we're mm. characterizing, you know, when you can get incommensurables here. Mm. And on the other hand, you have potentially... Although I think you can discuss same-sex relationships in various different ways, mm. right? One way that obviously I think is quite prominent in our culture is to think of it more like it's an assertion of one's authentic self. Yep. Um, disclosed, it cannot be gainsaid. Um, it is com- uh, consistent with asserting a conception of justice that reflects the rights claims of the individual, mm-hmm that is consistent with the modern world and it's used over and against mm. conceptions of doctrine, tradition and authority and so on. Or it refers to emancipation without then thinking about, well, emancipation to what? How is this relationship yeah. a blessing, which is to say a gift for the community mm. within our understanding of the tradition, you know, as a, a reflection on our goods mm. together. Um, so you can have, and, and there is, I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but there is, um, you know, really wonderful document from some Episcopalian theologians in which they open with an apology. These are ones that are revisionist in their own framing. You know, they're affirming to same-sex relationships. And they open by saying that we've too often appealed to a certain exclusive identity um, um, rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. In which the yeah. claim is you must re- respect this as my claim right against yeah. you, as my assertion of my subjective identity that is in some sense almost indisclosable because yep. it is so deeply personal and yep. so on, right? And there is something, of course, true in that this is about identity, but in the context of then having a discussion about what is yeah. a blessing, what is true, what is good for our community, then that demands that we actually shift the discourse into something more like disagreement not being complete. Mm. We cannot understand the person as dealing in a wholly different discourse, like a like a mutually distinct discourse, asserting asserting a claim right against yeah. the other. But if we can understand it as actually, no, we share some common conception. So, for example, when we're debating same-sex marriage during the mm. debate in Australia and elsewhere, it's very clear you could argue that marriage is seen as a good. Mm. People are debating this, mm. right? So then the question becomes, well, what is it? Mm in relationship to the whole community. How yeah. is this a good? 
And, you know, you, then you can start having discussions about virtue discourse. Mm. So some affirming uh, writers will talk about relationships of a gay or a straight nature being, mm. you know, a school of virtue and so That's on. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, at that point, then you can have that these different parties potentially can speak into each other, right? Yeah. At the point of saying, well, we take seriously, for example, on the conservative context, you take seriously gender differentiation for good reasons, yeah. right? There can be good reasons. There are good reasons there. Yeah. And in this other context, you're affirming something, you know, of a virtue that is um, about, you know, some people argue transcends gender and so has a mm. true, has a, Full love for the other person is simply the other person. Mm. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not staking staking claims here. Yeah, uh, all I'm doing is saying that there are ways in which you can think of disagreement as within the same common bonds, yeah. right? And but not there, there's fully... also hermeneutic disagreement as well, isn't there? So like right. that people interpret the so-called yeah. um, kind of anti-gay or uh, passages of Paul, especially. Um, there's what different ways of interpreting them sure. to actually get to. Is he talking about what we would consider homosexuality? Yeah, uh, so that's, like that. that. Yeah, and that goes to these questions in of the authority of scripture mm. and so on. So I mean, I don't, I don't want to elide over that. Yeah, I, I, I don't. In the I'm, sense that I don't, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not. I don't want to say that somebody is adopting X and that's you know mm. not part of this discussion. Right? Yeah. Um, it's just simply to say that there are points here where there clearly there is moving towards yeah. tragedy. Yeah. In which. Whereas actually, I think, you know, one of the things about, so Oliver O'Donovan in his book, A Conversation mm. Where You Begin, talks about how Anglicanism, one of its dominant strands, has been a sort of rejection of enthusiasm, mm. um, a rejection of essentially the Puritans, right? Yep. Yep. Hook is wonderful when you yeah. read about that sort <laughs> of stuff, right? But an idea there that you can, in the bonds of fellowship, sit down, reason together, and seek conciliation of some yeah. kind, and be moving towards conciliation, even if, um, even if that agreement seems all but impossible. And, and there's in, still there's a there's a posture of um, uh, of conciliation, and so in the context of time, yeah, right. So the church doesn't necessarily operate week to week, day to day, you know, yeah. or a media cycle, things like this, yeah. But that's very difficult because yeah. it actually requires then simply saying, I will be open continually. Yeah. In a and that's sense. right, because we are a trans historical, trans geographic, transcultural communion. And that's going to involve a lot of negotiation of um, all sorts of things, um, difference of uh, opinion further information coming to light and things like that. But it doesn't mean an absence of then unity, right? Yeah. So. But the it, basis of the unity surely needs to be the Book of Common Prayer and the, the creeds, right? <laughs> um, so that's difficult, I think, because it's, it, you know, I mean. And the that, scriptures. That, oh, yeah, the scriptures. The scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> but does that cover moral formation? Yeah. I mean, it does in part, I, yeah. but also, you know, so we mm. do think clearly all yeah. of us as, you know, we think. You know, adultery is a problem mm. or something, yeah, that's right. right? So there is, there are questions, and that's in the scriptures and so on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's outside of it, but my point is that I don't know. You can't. I mean, it's difficult to just simply identify X, Y, Z yeah. is the thing, right? Yeah. So, so Donovan himself argues this in his book. He's talking. He says, you know, 
our, our job is 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 slightly different. Yeah. You know, where you could think at a civil level there is that element of yes, we want the good, but there mm. is disagreement. Whereas the church does aim for a certain harmony. That's right. Um, and that harmony is also questions of moral formation as yeah. well. So my point is not so much that you just keep it open like a liberal debating club. Yeah. My point is that you keep it open because you don't break bonds of fellowship yeah. because that in itself is a good. Yeah, that's right. And so, then and then and then you in hope. You 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 are in those bonds. Yeah. You in hope work towards something that is true, right? Yeah. Or you in hope affirm something that is true because you believe collectively that you're, what you're doing mm. here is not the assertion of my private subjective rights, That's for right. example, but actually it is something that we together are objectively discerning. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I suppose that's why I was quite frustrated at the Archbishop's remarks. I, I was reminded of um, Oliver Edelman's book again, um, where he he says that the, you know there's there's this underlying um, harmony between um, progressive Christians um, who are non-conciliatory. That is, that same-sex marriage, uh, same-sex union is a right, and the church must do it, um, and otherwise it's betraying. Um, Jesus or something like that, who is has that radical solidarity with the outsider. And then on the conservative end, you've got, no, the scripture is clear that uh, that this is what marriage is and that these types of relations are sinful um, and therefore no conversation required. Um, go, go off and play by yourself. And he says in, in both of those instances, they have this, a similar ecclesiology, right? So it's the assertion of... Um, it's the assertion of uh, or the closing off of conversation um, on on these kind of deeply difficult issues. And then you have other people like O'Donovan himself, who is a conservative, um, and someone like Rowan Williams, who are who is is more progressive in his understanding of um, sexuality. But they are but they are joined together in their posture of conciliation. They are moving towards agreement um, and and. I, there was a beautiful um, interview that I saw with uh, Rowan Williams who was absolutely swept up in this controversy during his time because the assumption from his more progressive um, friends was that, well, good, our man is now in as Archbishop of Canterbury. He's going to bring in same-sex marriage within the church. But um, And then they were very felt very betrayed that he didn't do that. Um, and Rowan Williams was basically, well, that's not the job of the Archbishop well, of Canterbury. It's on the other way as well, on the outside uh, as well. Um, People wanting the Archbishop to make the clear statement. Yes. You know, Whereas his, 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 his desire was to bring together the community. Um, and, as, but, and the only grounds for exclusion from his desire to bring people together was an inability or an unwillingness to... Um, to be moving towards agreement. To act together as well. And, uh, yeah, um, and and this was the controversy around Lambeth, from what I understand. But there was this beautiful um, interview where he was saying that um, he, what he was trying to do at one stage was to bring together liberal Christians, liberal and, and progressive Christians and conservative Christians who have different understandings of sexuality and to say, and get them to sit down and pray together and say, if we are serious about this business, about the church being... Um, the the body of Christ on earth, then both of these factions need one another in some mysterious way. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of the church, um, that it goes beyond 
individual interest claims, mm. that there is actually something ontological um, about my need for my um, my Anglican brothers and sisters, whom I have deep disagreements for, I, uh, disagreements with. I, I, in some way, must admit that I need them um, if I am to be Catholic. In well, there's the- a lot in there. I think one is that at the very basic level, people misunderstanding that the archbishop's role there was episcopal rather than doctrinal. Right? That's right. Um, but also just there, what you're saying about you need them. Okay, so um, yes, there's there's three things I want to say. One is that in this context, it's it's ironic that we now have um, claims in the context of Sydney, for example, trying to say to the general population, general civic mm. context, that we need to be able to disagree well. Yep. I, don't know, I want to try and unpack that paradox a little, mm. all that irony. Um, and the second is... <laughs> And the second is um, what your point about you need them, right? Yeah. That reflects two things to me. One, that ultimately please leave that statement, mm. if it's interpreted as a general way, mm. can almost give an impression that this is just a voluntarist society, That's right. right? Absolutely. And then the second thing to that is that this is how most people understand associations. Yes. And then the way you just characterized a church body mm is nonsense yes. to people outside of the church and yet something quite peculiarly beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah. That, in fact, I don't get to choose everything that goes on yeah. there. And this and is the really church, important. The yeah. church is not just an aggregate of individuals yeah. who ascribe to something yeah. because that's the sort of thing, as we've discussed, as I've mentioned before, that's the sort of conception of the church that means, for example, people can start saying, well, now you have to take into account all the aggregate interests of all the yep. people outside yep. of the church and so on. And and then, you know, you eventually get to the point where you say, well, you have to hire people based on what the state says you have to hire yep. because they re- the state's law represents individual interests here and so on. But, like, it is a very different understanding to then say, now, I don't mean that in the sense that we coerce people in the church. People clearly subjectively affiliate. Yeah. But, but you become part of a body. But even that is messy, right? Because I, so I was saying that uh, when someone first shared uh, on a, in a in a closed group that I'm a part of um, this this article about what the archbishop said, my first response was, I have nowhere else to go, because in my thinking, I don't think of the Anglican Church as one option amongst many. I think of it as this is this is Ooh, how nice. I how I am placed within the Catholic tradition. Um, uh, so it, I don't think of it as a denomination. I think of it as the church. Um, and I know, and, and I, I haven't worked out my thinking on this completely, but I, I don't think of it as one option amongst many. All, all the Catholics out there, Roman Catholics I out there. I know. Yeah, yeah. So what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I am someone who thinks of the Anglican church as the continuing Catholic tradition. Right. Um, uh, and incarnated v- in a party. Via, via a particular and I, Yeah, no, history. and it's incarnated in a party. Um, and and so I don't I don't think of myself as oh I could just go to the Uniting Church that's fine, and when I say when when you said like you know um, that we, we don't coerce people into the faith, um, my my experience of myself and my relationship to the to the Anglican Church, it doesn't feel like a choice to me. It feels like something that I'm existentially kind of compelled towards mm. um, as a matter of my. Um, <laughs> existence. <laughs> well, I just mean I just mean the basic point that. 
you accept it as I think there's something And I don't have a choice about who I share. But there's it something with. about Kirk <laughs> there's something in what's Kierkegaardian about truth, is a yes. truth to be truly true yep. is to be subjectively adopted yep. in the sense of um felt as yeah. true and adopted as true for I don't mean that like you get to construct truth. Mm. I mean there's something about the nature of truth that if you were to coerce and impose it upon That's person right. it would no longer be true. Yeah. But I but I just mean that the church is not an aggregate of individual, say list of opinions and beliefs yeah. such that if you so, no longer fall within X1, you have to then go form your own collective associations mm. on. I mean, this is the sort of rhetoric that then gets into the quagmire we have in which, as I mentioned before, mm. the church is said to be just like any other organization mm. and so should be subject to the individual rights claims yeah. of any individual that wants to construct it in the manner they choose, right? Mm. But going then just back slightly to the paradox here. Yeah, yeah. So during the same-sex marriage debate, there was some statements from the Anglican Church and so on about we need to cultivate a society that disagrees well. Mm. Now, we've been talking about this for the past few weeks, yeah, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. this is a true thing. You can yeah. disagree well and it looks a certain way yeah, and yeah. shape. Yeah. Now, you could argue that some people say this is ridiculous that they say this because they can't do it within their own context. Mm. Um, you could argue there's a difference between, you know, civic forms and yep. church forms. As I said before, the church aims at harmony and so on. Mm. But I've been kind of trying to say the same thing about a civil polity as well. You know, yeah. It aims for a common good. But I think there's something quite deep if we go back to that point about building one's character and virtues mm. and then that shaping one's sort of public witness mm. and one's public action. Um, if you have a context in which you don't engage in attentive listening, mm. for example, and then you go into the public life and you say, please be attentively listening to us. Ugh, yeah. You know, that 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 it's more at that level, right? A sense of like, how do you, you know, how do you claim, for example, as I think it's right, like I write on the religious liberty yeah. of different people and that they should be accommodated and respected in the in their and conscientious differences. Mm. Um, you know, schools should be able to be a organic body that builds a character in within the tradition, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's very difficult, I think, because in part you you I think it's it's much more helpful at least. Yeah. If you've built sort of the character of att say attentive listening that then allows you to actually start thinking about, well, this is how we think about disagreement. Now we can actually provide a sort of almost public witness to how disagreement yeah. can be manifested. Yeah. Because I remember you, can you, be you wrote that piece dealt, um, for ABC Religion Ethics a few years ago about um, the controversy in church in New Zealand about this. Yeah, and then and saying the that, 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 that well. the church, <laughs> strangely enough, that the church might model what it means to disagree yeah. uh, well, which is, um, uh, yeah, quite kind of ludicrous for a lot of people looking at But I meant it, so. yeah, and I also wrote about it in the context of the same-sex marriage debate, right? Yeah. You know, in which I'm not I'm not saying the church doesn't have a party line. Mm. I've been arguing throughout these episodes that mm. there's a regulative aspect. There yep. is a claim as to what is the common good. There is um, a claim as to what is our right end and so on. Mm. And then you get attendant questions about what do you do with disagreement. Yeah. Um, but during the same-sex marriage debate, when I wrote about this, mm. I said, you know, why is it not the case that if we think that we need to build a society that disagrees well and so mm. on, right? If we think that's the case, why wasn't why didn't we use our cathedral to hold the public discussion? Yeah. You know, why weren't we the location, the site of the debate? 
in a sense of welcoming people in, not to yeah. say it's a free for all. That's right. Not to say we're interested in just simply a marketplace of ideas in which who knows, we'll have an agonistic war yeah. against or and then we'll all go away yeah. affirmed in our respective because, identities. Because it, it's demonstrating that we believe ourselves to be one interest group amongst many rather than the host of a conversation. The host that says that there is something true to be debated yeah. here. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, And that means you can even be confident in saying we think this, but, you know, maybe then when we listen, you actually then get to a point of understanding personhood a bit better. Mm. Whatever, whatever you understand more, refine more. I mean, when we listened to the Archbishop Canterbury a few weeks ago mm. and he gave the example of, you know, transgender persons. That's right. Yeah. And and it was really fascinating because he wasn't... I thought that was a beautiful way. But he wasn't yeah. making a claim, right? He wasn't yeah. saying, you know, it's, it's, it's the capitulation of the culture to... Self, whatever, or it's the, or it's, or it's the yeah. bestest thing, you know, whatever. He wasn't saying what he didn't say. All he said was that if you make claims that this is a problem, yeah, right, then you can't forget personhood. That's right. You know that you are attentive to a person as yeah. well. You're not just dealing in the body here yeah. and is just merely an is is merely a canvas for our political yeah. and, and debates the, or whatever. And the 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 um the trans person in my church or in front of me is not just the manifestation of a a particular side of the culture war. They are a human being. Right. That so needs to be treated with love. Something um, there about dis- disagreement can mean yeah. you hold a position, you know, you yeah. have and you contend and you and you discuss and mm. you so on. But because of that, even because of the very idea that you think something is true here, you can be generous. Yeah. Well, hopefully we said something of use there. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's go back to card. Yay. Uh, um, so I think, you know, basically pray for us. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> but this is the, this is a debate that's gone on in different countries. You can track it in different places, yeah. and, it's, and Australia is not immune. So there is a lot of thinking that has been done and can be done. Yeah. And until then, I'm just going to stare lovingly at my picture of Rome Williams <laughs> <laughs> and had her a rent. <laughs> that's and then right. Wonder what could have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, t- oh my goodness! Thank. Well, that brings us to the end. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for listening to this uh, three-part, very special episodes <laughs> of the Catastrophe. We've had a few of those now. Uh, please uh, like us on Facebook by just searching the Catastrophe on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. You can find us at UCAT, that's E-U-C-A-T underscore podcast. Um, please also drop us reviews um, and share us around. Um, we're still, our, our, our shares aren't matching up to our listenership. So there's a lot of people engaging in this illicit pleasure still. <laughs> um, so let 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 your light shine. Um, but uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week as we have give you a little bonus episode um, talking about Joker. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>